Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms, and here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. Hey, hey, Bettys. Welcome back to Geeky Magic. We are talking, I'm going to give you a little BTS today in terms of what it took for me to prepare for the cover of Strong Fitness Magazine. Now, you may have heard my conversation with my coach, JVB, on the podcast. We actually had her live inside my Hello Betty community, and they were asking all sorts of questions, and we were uh, just kind of geeking out on the whole process. And I thought that there were a few other things I wanted to add to that conversation. So if you haven't already listened to my conversation with my coach, JBB, I will put a link in the show notes there for you. Uh, But I wanted to give you sort of an overview of kind of everything leading up to the photo shoot and now what's happening on the other side of it. Because we always think of like the big crescendo, you know, the big climax, it's the photo day, it's your wedding day, it's the, you know, it's the big day. And then we kind of disregard what happens um, afterwards. So I wanted to maybe touch on that as well. So two main things that I wanted to cover here. One is that for the most part, for most of this preparation, the primary levers that I was utilizing was resistance training and manipulating the variables that go along with uh, resistance training. Nutrition, those are like one and two. And then the other two things that were important was prioritizing rest and recovery and dialing back cardio. And we've talked about dialing back cardio a lot on the podcast, how we can really get lost in the idea that we need to be doing hit interval training all the time, or we need to be doing cardio all the time. And I've said this before and I'll I'll say it again. I think that cardiovascular work is important because there's pulmonary function, there's respiratory quotient, there's mitochondrial biogenesis. There's all these great things that come from a well-structured cardio routine. But for the specific goal of getting on a cover, (laughs) we want to be sparing muscle and we don't want to be overdoing it on the, um, uh, on the cardiovascular output side. So 
if you think about this in a pyramid, the first thing, like the, the base of that pyramid is nutrition. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the differences in terms of my caloric intake, what my macro split was, and then right on top of that is movement. So resistance training being one of the primaries. And then the second piece being neat, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. What was my everyday movement like? So let's start with those two things. Let's start kind of three to six months out and then let's go in and we can zoom into the 12 weeks leading up to the photo shoot. So the first thing that's important to note, and this is kind of a a timeline question or a timeline, is that a lot of people get hung up on this like, hey, I'm going to lose like 10 pounds in 10 days or seven pounds in seven days, you know, whatever it is. And that's not, that might be a reasonable approach if you are looking for very quick weight loss but most of that is going to be water. Uh, It's some of it will be adipose tissue and some of it's going to be muscle because in order to lose that amount of weight in such a short Delta, uh, you have to either aggressively calorically restrict, you have to take things like laxatives um, and it's just, you're going to be miserable. So I really like to play the long game. I don't do shortcuts with myself. I don't do it with my programming. I don't do it with my clients. And I would offer, and in this, you know, in this leading up to this photo shoot, the same principles apply. So there's kind of two main phases. We have a building phase where I'm eating a lot. My calories are nice and high, either at maintenance or just slightly below Uh, And then there's a cutting phase where, as the name might suggest, there is caloric restriction and we also decrease the volume of output in terms of movement. So for myself, uh, working with my coach, um, we decided that a three month build phase, so about 12 weeks, um, was appropriate. But keep in mind, I'm telling you what worked for me. This is not necessarily prescriptive for you. Um, Everybody's a little different, right? So we all come from different backgrounds, different ages, different hormonal status, different history with exercise and lifting. And typically when I'm working with someone, if I have a private client that I'm, that I'm counseling, um, one of the things I actually really love to do is structure a really long build phase. Like I love something like a nine month to 18 month build phase. And that I do that because for most women that I work with, um, we have really been sold this idea that we need to be restricted you know, in our calories and, you know, we don't want to lift anything that's not a pink dumbbell or more than three pounds. So we have to do a little bit of unraveling in terms of the, um, in terms of the conditioning that women have. And I feel like nine, somewhere between nine to 18 months, especially if we're working on hormonal uh, issues as well. If a woman has PCOS or she has like an autoimmune condition, like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, we often have a lot of cofactors that go along with that, like gut, uh, problems. There's usually gut dysbiosis, like hyperpermeability of the gut. So those all take some time to heal. And that build phase, when I say build, uh, obviously, 
um, we're also, we're talking about building muscle. Like that's kind of the primary goal is that there's this hypertrophy of muscle, but we are also in that time period, getting that patient, getting that client to be metabolically flexible. We are healing any outstanding hormonal abnormalities. We are fixing the gut brain access, and we are doubling down on mastery of some of these foundational basics, like the nutrition, whole foods, regular resistance training regime, uh, getting lots of sunlight, regular neat, like non-exercise activity thermogenesis, like taking the stairs, parking further away. If you're going to, you know, do your groceries, parking the furthest away that you can so that you are walking a little bit more. So I love if, if I could, you know, in an ideal world, I love like a nine month minimum, uh, build out phase, uh, for someone like myself, who's been lifting for, you know, decades. Um, my goal really was to take off a few fat percentage points for the shoot. Um, so I didn't need as long of a, uh, a runway because I already had sort of that muscle mastery, that foundational basic already mastered. Um, for a newbie, you know, if you're someone who's just like, okay, I've just been following Stephanie for a little bit, or I'm just kind of new to this weight lifting heavy thing, um, you are going to make tremendous progress in anywhere between three and nine months, because you have, uh, you have the advantage, we call it newbie gains, uh, in, in, in the industry, um, because you're going to have this huge turnover in muscle cells and changes in your metabolism. And newbie gains are basically like this rapid increase in muscle mass that occurs when people with like little to no previous weightlifting experience start lifting weights. I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, it sort of helps you get addicted, (laughs) you know, when you look at the, um, uh, when you look at how much progress you make over such a short period of time, of course, you're much more motivated, um, to continue. Now, when we think about men and women, uh, let's, let's say men who are new to weightlifting, they can expect to gain somewhere between, you know, we'll call it 20 to 25 pounds of muscle in their first 12 months of training. And that's assuming, of course, that this man has little to no weight training experience. And women can expect about half of that. So somewhere between 10 and call it 13 pounds um, of muscle in their first year. But, and here's the kicker, (laughs) here's the kicker, progress slows dramatically after that point. Now, and even like 10 pounds in a year is like, that is a lot of muscle. Um, for, for me, for instance, like no matter how hard I work in the gym. So I have been, you know, at the gym several, several, like many, many years at this point, uh, the best I could possibly do, like, you know, if I was like really dialed in is potentially, you know, in my key lifts, in my compound lifting. So whether that's squats or, um, you know, hip thrusts or shoulder press or anything where there's a lot of like multi-joint, uh, lunges would be another one where there's multi-joint, um, uh, lots of joints, lots of muscles moving at the same time. The most that I could you know, expect to gain at this point, if everything is like super dialed in is somewhere between, you know, adding 20, maybe to 25 pounds to the lifts that I'm, uh, engaging in. And maybe, maybe one to three pounds, maybe one to three pounds of muscle gain a year, if that. 
right? So a newbie, on the other hand, you know, in their first year of like proper training, they will have no problem increasing their whole body strength by like several hundred pounds uh, and then gaining that, um, you know, 15 to, you know, 25 pounds of muscle if they're a man and about half of that again, if they're a woman. So um, call it 10 to 12 pounds, uh, 10 to 12 pounds for a woman that she can gain in muscle mass. And the other beautiful thing about newbie gains, of course, is that these newbies, as they are embarking in this resistance training, um, process will also gain very little fat at the same time, right? While gaining like a considerable amount of relative muscle in that same period. So this is, um, and, and I share this because, um, newbies, you can like, if you, if you said, you know what, I want to take like photos of myself and this is like one of my goals now, and I'll share this just a little later on, but I still want to take, like, I originally started working with Jenny, my, my coach, because I wanted to take some really beautiful artistic, um, shots of myself in, you know, various little, little, little bits of outfits, right? So like very sexy, very sensual, um, outfits. Um, but also, um, uh, so that's one of my goals now. So I still want, like, we, we kind of diverted a little bit because we were like, okay, let's get you on the cover of this magazine. And now I'm like, okay, I love that. So honored. It's like one of the, you know, best things really in my career, uh, thus far that I can, um, that I'm really proud of. And now I still want to take those sexy shots. So, um, for newbies, you can still do something like that and make massive changes in like three to nine months. And of course, my hope is in that time, you will master some of these foundational basics like eating whole foods and getting resistance training in the calendar and you know being consistent over a long period of time, even though there is a diminishing rate of return. One of the most significant adaptations uh, that newbies, um, like there's an advantage, I guess you can say that newbies have over seasoned lifters like myself is muscle protein synthesis remains elevated far longer after a workout for a newbie versus someone like myself, which is going to result for me in net less muscle gain. Um you know, it, for, a, for a newbie, you can have like elevated MPS for like two to three days post lift, um, versus, you know, my lifts now may increase that MPS like 12 hours, maybe 24 hours. Um, and I share this with you because I want my newbies, like, I, I don't want you to say, oh, well, she's been lifting for decades and that's why she's there. And yes, I have a lot of muscle memory. I have a lot of experience, but that doesn't mean that you can't also, like catch up, right? So that doesn't mean that you can't also impart the same strategies and have massive amounts of progress, particularly in your first year. And then my hope is like, you're going to be here anyway, like you're going to be around for this first year. So fall in love with the process and then continue to make gains as well. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. LMNT also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money 
no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. So that's kind of my little soapbox on uh, being a newbie and some of the amazing things that can happen with it. Um, so I did my build phase for about three, like it was a focused 12 weeks, like high volume, high, like lots and lots of heavy lifts, lots of calories to support that. And then I moved into a cut phase. So I think we shot, I can't remember the exact date, but I want to say it was like late August, early September, um, was the shoot. And then the cover, you know, we had to decide on the cover and all the things. Um, and so now we're out for November, uh, the November, December, um, issue. And during that cut phase, so in that 12 weeks leading up to the, uh, shoot, um, I was, I decreased my calories. So I was having, gosh, I'd have to go back and look at my food journal now, but I would say somewhere around in the build phase, I was eating somewhere around 1600, probably about 1600, maybe, maybe even a little closer to 1700 calories. Um, and in the cut, we were methodically and systematically cutting the calories week over week. And I think I got down to about 1300 calories, um, leading up to the photo shoot. We also decreased the intensity of the workouts as well. So whereas in the build phase, I had high, like lots of volume, high volume, high rep, uh, pardon me, not high rep, high weight, um, high volume. Uh, so lots and lots of sets. Um, we decreased both the volume of the sets as well as the weights, because now I don't have the same amount of substrate, right? I don't have the same amount of energy that's coming in. Um, so we, so we reduced um, my workouts as well. So a little hard on the ego, I will say, because, uh, one of the things I really thrive, um, on, especially with lifting is PRing. So I just like a personal record. I absolutely love it week over week or month over month or however long it takes for me to PR for there to be a new record in my workouts. So in a cut phase, when you are reducing your energy input, uh, as you will also necessarily reduce your energy output, you cannot sustain the same amount of lifting, um, with the same intensity with less energy. And you might think that you can, you might say, oh, that's not going to bother me. Uh, trust me, it will. <laughs> when it's 12 weeks long, uh, you have very little energy, like 1300 calories is not a lot. Uh, and this was just purely an aesthetic play, right? This was just like, how can I look the best for this photo shoot? This is not something that I would ever continue long-term. The other thing that I think is important, we didn't get to discuss this in the podcast with JVB, but I wanted to bring it up here, was that one of the strategies, and this is more of an advanced technique, but one of the strategies that I employed during that 12-week cut is something called a structured carbohydrate refeed. So what that is, is a specific intervention, higher carbohydrate bolus on one day. Um, and it, it usually coincided with a big lift. So it was usually leg day, uh, where, um, you know, the muscles like high metabolic output, right. High mechanical stress. And then it's also my muscles, my big muscles are going to be in recovery for the next, you know, call it 12 to 24 hours. So in that time, um, I was having, uh, probably 
like 180 to 200 grams of carbohydrates in that day. And the reason, like the justification for this structured refeed is, is twofold. One, as I've mentioned many times, um, being calorically restricted can wreak havoc on your metabolism long-term. It can wreak havoc on your hormones. It can wreak havoc on your mood. I am in perimenopause, right? I am in my forties and I have worked really hard. If you've, if you have my book and you've been listening to this podcast, you know, I have worked my butt off to get my hormones in shape and you best know that I was not going to, I was not going to throw that all to the wind just for a cover. I mean, yes, the cover is important, but the carbohydrate refeed, what's, what's really great about that is because your muscles are so hungry after a lift, you are basically, what you're basically doing is replenishing muscle glycogen because when you're having 1300 calories, uh, and you're still training four times, five times a week, albeit a decreased volume, you are still going to deplete muscle glycogen, uh, either during the workout or just because of the reduced endogenous substrate that you're taking in. So, um, specific, like one of the specific purposes was to help with my metabolism, hormones, and mood, right? Your metabolism tanks when you're calorically restricted, mood tanks, hormones typically tank as well. And then the other, um, and then the other piece to that was, um, was to help refill the muscle glycogen in there. So I gotta say these days, these, these structured refeeds are no joke. Like it feels like all you're doing is eating. So I think I had four, maybe four or five meals. So I never do that by the way. I always have like three meals, maybe a snack and I'm good. But these refeed days, um, it's like four to five meals. You're pairing, you know, complex carbohydrates with some simple comp, like you're getting some rice, maybe some potatoes, and then like some green leafy vegetables, plus your protein. Um, I was feeling so full. And by the time it was time for me to eat my next meal, I was like, Ugh, I don't want to eat. So um, just a word to the wise there. I would definitely be doing that with a coach. Um, and I've actually talked about this um, in indirect ways on the podcast before in the Black Magic episode when I was talking about the holidays, which was maybe just a week ago. Um, you can go back and have a listen to that too. What happened? Like, and it was really framed like, what happens if you eat too many carbohydrates? You know, unintentionally, what can you do? You can do a leg day if you know it's going to be on Thanksgiving or you know it's going to be on Christmas, like leg day in the morning and then feed the muscles in the evening when you're having your Christmas dinner or your Thanksgiving um, dinner. And those structured refeed refeeds happened about once a week. And I did it. I did those refeeds probably up until a week before the shoot. I want to say seven to 10 days, but we'll call it a week. So, uh, last structured refeed was about seven days before the shoot. And, um, the day of the shoot, uh, also important in terms of like nutrition, um, I actually, I actually think I messed up the day of, if I'm being perfectly honest, I had some coffee in the morning, uh, you know, brought some snacks with me. I knew I was going to be hungry, even though, you know, they buy you lunch and stuff, but I, I brought my own food. Um, I don't actually think my nerves allowed me to have breakfast that morning. Truthfully, like in an ideal world, I would have loved to have had a light breakfast, you know, even a light workout, like some compound movements, like push-ups and squats and rows and shoulder presses, presses all to sort of get a nice pump and to fill out my muscles. Um, but makeup was really early in the morning. The studio was like, you know, 45 minutes away. So that really ate into my capacity to do that. So in an ideal world, I would have had a light workout, um, and, uh, and brought all of that again, brought all that glycogen into the muscle, but didn't happen. It's, it's still, it's fine. I mean, this is like me splitting hairs at this point. 
And then, you know, the shoot itself, like all day, it was like makeup and then hair and then skin and then lots of outfit changes. There was workouts, indoor shots, outdoor shots. Um, once we wrapped that evening, you know, going home, um, we went to the keg. <laughs> I ordered steak. I ordered burgers, uh, cauliflower grits, which are my absolute, I call them cauliflower grits. I don't think they're grits. They're, um, it's like they're mashed potatoes, but they make them with cauliflower instead. So cauliflower mash, um, a burger and a steak. Um, because that's my favorite thing to have at the keg. And so, that was the day. And then what I wanted to just finish off with was to let you know kind of what I'm doing right now. Because as I was saying, we all think of like the day of, and then there can almost be this like postpartum depression, like all you've been working towards is this one thing. So we want to think about how we are going to deal with that on the other side. And, um, I, since that shoot have been slowly and methodically reverse dieting. Now I've done a reverse diet podcast. I'll link it out in the show notes again for you to listen to. Um, but basically slowly and methodically increasing calories again and getting back into that building phase. Once you have been in a calorically restrictive state for a long time, as I had been for about 12 weeks, with those intermittent structured carbohydrate refeeds, you are primed once you start eating again to put on more fat. And I know it's so unfair and I'm so sorry, but that's just the science. So, um, you can, I, I allowed myself to be a little hyperphagic, um, for like a day or two. So I had like the steak and the burger and the cauliflower. And then the next day I had, who knows what I had, but I had whatever I wanted. Um, and, um, but I wanted to also be mindful of the body's, once you're calorically restricted and you start eating again, your body's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So we're not in a famine anymore. Let's just put this all on as adipose tissue. So reverse dieting is a way to, uh, to attenuate that um, adipose tissue accumulation. And so what I did, and you can go back for um, like kind of the specifics of how to reverse diet in my old, in, in, a, in a previous Geeky Magic episode, but I've been systematically adding, you know, 50 to 80 calories every week uh, since that shoot. So now I am back up at maintenance calories. And with that, I've also been increasing the weights again uh, back to that building phase, because what I want to do, and I kind of hinted at this before is actually to take the photos that I had originally wanted to take with Jenny, uh, and, uh, and Paul, which is the photographer, uh, those sort of, you know, just like celebrating, um, you know, what I've achieved over the course of my life and to sort of take a little snapshot. I want to be able to look back when I'm 80 and be like, damn, that booty, booty's like fire. That's what I want. That's what I want for myself. Maybe I won't be saying that when I'm 80 or maybe I will, who knows. So that's kind of the behind the scenes for the cover shoot. A few takeaways I think I, I want to just highlight here. I think generally being in a building phase is a beautiful parable for life. Building means growth, right? It means expansion. It means progress. Um, being in a cut on the other hand, is restrictive. It's limited. It's shrinking. And you usually feel a lot better. You know, your mood, you've, your, you know, your, your performance is a lot better in a build phase than it is in a cut. And, um, you know, to be perfectly honest, you know, if you are metabolically healthy and you have a good amount of muscle going into that cut phase is like splitting hairs. Like you're going to look marginally better, but if you structure your weights appropriately, you should be looking pretty awesome. Like all year 
round. And if you need to do like a little mild cut, you know, for whatever, you know, maybe it's a trip or maybe it's a reunion or, you know, whatever, it should be relatively painless. I think it's when we get stuck in the cut phase, which I see so many women where we continue to restrict and then it stops working and then we want to restrict more and then it stops working. We want to shrink and shrink and shrink and sacrifice and sacrifice. What we end up doing is of course we sacrifice our hard earned muscles. So we get uh, relatively more fat. Uh, this is something uh, that I talked about with Dr. Robert Lustig. He, it's a condition called TOFI, T-O-F-I. So thin on the outside, fat on the inside. That's your relative adipose tissue relative to your muscle. Um, so when you are always restricting, um, you are usually sacrificing your hard-earned muscle, which is like that's the currency of the day. We are in 2021. Uh, muscle health is where it's at. You want to have a good immune system. You need muscle health. You want to have good moods. You need muscle health. You want to look good. You need muscle health. Um, so hard earned muscle. It also sacrifices your happiness, your mood, your sleep, your hormones. So, um, as much as I'd love, you know, I know that everyone's like, what did you do? And what was your diet? And you know, it, wasn't that different, you know, like I went from like 1600 calories to 1300 calories. So it was like, you know, call that like a moderate caloric deficit. Um, and there wasn't any like salt games. There wasn't water depletion. Um, none of these things that can really send a, uh, sympathetic stress signal, um, to the, I don't believe in that at all. Uh, tried it once, did it for figure. We'll never do it again. So I hope that you found this really useful in terms of how you might be thinking about whether you're a newbie, like hopefully that excites you that you're like, oh my gosh, I could totally put on 10 pounds in the next 12 months. Like how exciting. Uh, so kind of taking advantage of those newbie gains. And if you're interested in thinking about, you know, taking, you know, doing a photo shoot or anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. So you can uh, find me on Instagram at Dr. Stephanie Estima and DM me and let's have a chat. Let's see, um, you know, let's see uh, what you got going on. If there's any way that I can help you out. So until next time, Bettys, we'll see you real soon. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie, is for general information only and the advice, recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only. 